your Locked On Canadiens, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode 490 of Locked On Canadians. And thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. Today, we've got the remnants of our mailbag from Friday. But we also want to tell you that our 500th episode is coming up and there's going to be a giveaway and you'll get all the details in the coming two weeks. So please make sure you listen to every episode to get the details on our big giveaway. In the meantime, let's talk about that weekend that we're not too happy with and then move on to some fun mailback questions. First of all, my name is Laura Saba, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined as always by Scott Matla of Habs Eyes on the Prize, the best co-host ever, although I do bully him a lot. Scott, how are you doing? I was doing better before I turned on and I fell asleep for most of the first period uh, tonight because Carly and I went uh, to the Southern Tier, watched the Bills game, taken some uh, local spirits, shall we say, and I came home and fell asleep. And when she ran out to get chicken wings for dinner, uh, I slept through the first period. And uh, maybe I should have just slept through the entire game because I wouldn't have had to watch whatever the hell that third period was. Well, I will say, though, you slept through the best part. The Canadians did play a really good first period in the underlying numbers with the eye test. They played so in the first period and then they played well for parts of the second period. And then, as usual, there was the tiniest sign of adversity and they fell apart. They they absolutely did is that they played surprisingly well. It was the Bruins probably should have been up by another goal or two, leaving the second. And anytime Michael Pozzetta scores a goal, you should probably win the game. And the fact that the Habs just kind of squandered, that's really upsetting to me is that he finally gets his first NHL goal. It's his, uh, it's a two game point streak now for him. It should have been a real feel good moment. Samuel Montembeau, I thought played as about as well as you could expect. And the team just, fell apart. They weren't able to get all the pieces clicking at once. And it's just a frustrating, frustrating weekend when we take into account Saturday as well. I think the thing about Saturday that bothered me is that the Canadians dominated Detroit in the first two games that they played. And they had the opportunity to dominate Detroit this time. And they simply did not. And that's really, really frustrating because they easily could have. Yes, there was an injury to Jake Allen, which was a huge loss. There was It was a really strange, weird, not great play that led to that. Yes, 100%. But even with Montembeau and Nett, the Canadians should have been dominating and they weren't. If you looked at the numbers, they weren't. And that's the thing that's really frustrating. And so they squandered that opportunity. They got one point, though, at least out of two. Uh, And then against the Bruins, I mean, after being up against a team that you know is that good, you know, the Bruins are are widely acknowledged to be one of the best teams in the NHL right now. And then you fall apart. You had the game in hand. All you had to do was not sit back, not fall apart, not do boneheaded plays. And they did that. And it's so annoying. They easily could have won. And so I think right now it's more than ever. 
that people are calling for heads. They're calling for firings. They want Jeff Molson to address people. They want something to happen. And while we've maintained that, you know, it doesn't really make sense to fire somebody when their contract is up anyway, you just write out the year with them. But at this point, the optics of just keeping him around are not that great. Uh, and so for me, I honestly, truly, I don't know what I would do if I were Jeff Molson. Well, at a certain point, you got to do something, which is, I suppose, the most annoying part is that nothing is happening. It, it, it seems like everyone's just kind of okay with the way this is going. And the Canadians have played better in the last two weeks. That is true. But guess what? You need wins. You can't just continue to pile up moral victories because they're not worth a damn in the standings. Either crap or get off the pot. Either admit that you're kind of punting on this season and just fire Mark Bergevin and, you know, start new or do something that actually is going to help the team. It feels like we're in this weird limbo and nobody wants that. Absolutely not. And and that's the thing. It's like, what do you do at this point? You know, the Canadians, people are making jokes that, you know, Jeff Petrie's on board with the tank. And it's true. Like, it, even if they run the table, it's going to be really hard for them to get into the playoffs. And, you know, we're talking about running the table. There's still like 60 games left, 60 plus games left in the season. It's the Canadians are in so tough right now. So it would make sense to tank, but tanking is not fun. It's not something that we want. And obviously the, the fans are annoyed because there's like, there's no clear plan either. There's not like if the Canadians came right out and said, we want Shane, right. And we're going to aim for that. The fans would get on board. If they said, we're going to rebuild the fans would get on board. I, I truly feel that and especially in my conversations, you know, even a couple of years ago, a rebuild would not have been acceptable in this market. But right now, if you came right out and said, all right, we're going to rebuild. We've got a couple of good pieces. We want to build around them. We want some good high draft picks. The next two drafts are really deep. They've got really talented players. We want to go for that. Do you think anybody would be annoyed at this point? I, I, I don't think so. Like, here's the thing. We've talked about it so many times that fans wouldn't accept a tanking season, but at the same time, just rip the bandaid off this whole, oh, we're trying our best and just trotting out cliches and excuses is it's piss poor, to be honest with you. It, it, we're suffering through crap without any real reason behind it. If you said, hey, we're missing Weber, we're missing this, uh, you know, we're going to give these guys time to recover. We're going to let Carey Price take all the time that he needs and then come back. This season, we're probably looking to do an on-the-fly rebuild or adding another young piece. At least there's a, an end goal at the point here. What the hell's the point right now? It just looks like they're swimming in circles and doing nothing. And it's, it's, it's annoying and it's frustrating that it just seems directionless. That it's like sometimes they play well, sometimes they play bad, sometimes they win, sometimes they don't. And... The play's improving, but I still don't know what the end goal is. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. It just keeps going like a Looney Tunes cartoon right now. I don't know where the end is, and I don't know what the goal is. Are you going for Shane Wright? Are you just trying to wait until price is ready and go from there? What is the plan? Somebody in management, not the players. Well, the players need to step up on the ice, but someone in a suit and tie needs to come and say, hey, this is what we're doing the fans are annoyed because we don't know what's going on right now. Absolutely. And everybody's frustrated. And this is the thing is that, you know, we, we, on this podcast, we try to be fair. We try to be even handed 
And even we're starting to acknowledge that it's almost universal that people are calling for heads in this market at this point. But we also have a job to do, which is we regularly do our three up and three down on Mondays. And also we do a mailbag. We didn't get to finish it on Friday. So that's coming up in our next two segments in just one moment. But first, tell me if this sounds familiar. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and get a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract, so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. And if you've been listening to us first thing for the last few weeks, you'll know that on Mondays we are doing a three up and three down segment because we have some leftover mailback questions from Friday. We're going to do that in our third segment. So we're going to squish our three up and three down into one segment. Scott, are you ready? Who's your three up? Uh, my three up is Michael Pozzetta. Uh, wow, I completely blanked on everything going on here. Wow, that's not great. Uh, Michael <laughs> Pozzetta, I, I am going to put Samuel Montembeau in here just because he's had a real rough go of it lately, but I thought he was fairly good when call, when with the situation he was put into and Nick Suzuki. Nick Suzuki remains absolutely incredible, and he's on my three-up part right now. So I... I do want to give Montembeau an honorable mention, but he wasn't one of my three up. So obviously Michael Pozzetta is one. Ryan Paling is another and Nick Suzuki as always. And Chris Weidman is also another honorable mention. He had a really great game against Detroit and he is getting, I, I feel like he's finally found his own rhythm. I don't trust his coaching staff, but I, I feel like he's kind of figured out where he should be and what he should be doing. And who is your three down? Uh, Jeff Petrie. And God knows this pains me. Jeff Petrie was miserable this weekend. He is the reason Jake Allen is injured right now by shoving Dylan Larkin into him. He gave the Bruins game away when he threw a puck off of Charlie Coyle's face and into the net. Just Jeff Petrie has not been good this season. It And it's a shame because I love Jeff and I don't know what's going on with it, but the team needs him to be better. And right now he is just absolutely struggling to do that. And it's really unfortunate. Uh, Christian Dvorak is on there. Speaking of people that the team is asking to be better, Dvorak is on there and he's been a, a ghost for a lot of the season. And until things change, Dominique Ducharme is still on my three down list until he proves me wrong. The Canadians might've played better for stretches this week, but there's still no plan B against the Bruins. They went down a goal and just wilted on themselves. And that's on the coaching. I'm kind of in the same vein. 
I want to spend a little bit of time talking about Jeff Petrie. So I'll tell you my other two first. Um, you're right about Dvorak. You know what it is? I think the only thing right now he's contributing is face-offs. And I wonder if it's because Jonathan Drouin's not there. Once they switched up the line mates a little bit, they split up that line for whatever reason. I can't remember. It might've been an injury or something, but they split up that line and, and it never came back. Dvorak, sorry, Dvorak's what we were seeing at the beginning of the season, the first few games, it never came back. So that's going to be one of my, uh, my down. Uh, another one is actually, I think that yes, Ducharme should be on there. Yes. Mark Bergevin should be on there, but at this point, as many people pointed out, Jeff Molson has to do something, show a sign of life. You are the owner so you don't necessarily want to meddle in what a general manager does. So, you know, if you want to be a hands-off owner, if you want to support your GM, you make a decision, you don't want to micromanage, that's totally fair. But it's also up to you to remove personnel, specifically the general manager. Like, this is your job, right? The Canadians are your job. Uh, yes, he's in the Molson family, but literally his day job is being the president and CEO or whatever of the Montreal Canadiens. You have to make a decision. You have to show a sign of life. You have to address something. And so he's on my list instead of Ducharme and Bergevin. So let's get back to Jeff Petrie. Last year, we criticized Shea Weber, as did a lot of people over the course of the season. We said he was doing too much. He was being used too much. And he was playing badly. And it turned out at the end of all of that, that he was injured in a lot of different ways. And he was playing injured and he was trying to do too much. Do we think that Jeff Petrie has the same thing going on? We know he's trying to do too much and he's making mistakes because of it. It makes me really sad to say this because we have been champions of Jeff Petrie on this podcast. And we do believe that he's a good player that was very, very underrated by Montreal Canadiens fans. And we do think that he's capable of playing much better. Yes, he's getting a little bit older, but do we think that there's some sort of injury as well? Like I'm not, I'm a hundred percent sold on the fact that he's trying to do too much and making mistakes due to that. Do we think that there's some like, what else is not right? It, something just isn't clicking. It's like his it's it's like his brain is stuck in like sleepwalk mode. He's not making the smart passes. Like his skating and everything looks fine, but he's not reading plays the way that he did last time. And it feels like you said he's overthinking everything. And it's just it's not Jeff Petrie. We've seen Petrie have rough stretches, but this is by far the worst we've seen him play. And He's passing up good opportunities for teammates. He's just making boneheaded decisions. And I don't know if it's just pressure on himself, but someone needs to go in and be like, hey, relax. We know Petrie can thrive when Weber's out. He has before, but he's playing so poorly that Ben Sherratt took his spot on the power play. That's how badly it's going this season for him. And I think the Canadians could turn a lot of the season around if they just get Jeff Petrie going. Nick Suzuki's going. Now feels like the time that Petrie needs to figure it out, whether it's just a goal or a multi-point game or something, he's got to get it turned around because if he does, the defense immediately becomes that much more formidable. And right now it's just not there. And it's actually really upsetting to watch him play this poorly when we know how good Jeff Petrie can be. 
And it's really, really sad for him as well, because I, I, I'm just bummed because, you know, he's getting older. This would have been his last chance to, to, to get a spot on the U.S. Olympic roster. And he has now pretty much played himself off of it unless he manages to put together, you know, another few weeks of really great play and they call him anyway. I, I don't see that happening. I know it's not, you know, it's not due until I think January. So, you know, there's still a little bit of time, but I don't see that happening. And I feel so bad for him because I do think he deserved an invite. Um, and then, so all of this made me think of another person that I wanted to give an honorable mention to, which is Ben Sherratt, who he's been put in an offensive position and he's playing really well in it. And I am like, I'm, shocked i'm not appalled i was gonna say i'm shocked and appalled but i'm not i'm shocked and impressed uh so he deserves an honorable mention too but the most honorable mention of all goes to our listeners because you sent us so many mailback questions last week that we weren't able to fit them all into one episode so in just one moment you are getting part two of our weekly mailbag carried over from friday but first, don't forget that Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, and it's one of our favorites. We love Built Bar so much. As you know, we have Built Bar all the time, whether it's an on-the-go breakfast, whether it's before or after a workout, whether it's a pick-me-up in the afternoon. And the reason is they have 18 delicious flavors. All of them are made with real chocolate. All of them are low in sugar and low in calorie, and all of them are really high in protein. They also, they don't have that weird texture that some protein bars have. It's kind of grainy and sandy. They don't have that whey protein taste that you get in every other protein bar. These ones are truly, truly, truly delicious. And they are such a great option for anybody who wants to be a little bit more health conscious, who wants their energy, uh, but who also likes treats. Like these are treats. They're treats with lots of protein. And make sure that you go to built.com regularly this month because there are lots of surprises on there. As you know, they've got some special edition flavors, which we both love as well. And if you go to built.com and you enter promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. So we had a lot of mailback questions on Friday. We also had a game recap we had to do. Uh, so we had to push some of the mailback questions to Monday, which is great because the games weren't that great, but we love doing mailback questions that always gives us a lift after Canadians games, especially this season when they aren't all that great. So because I'm hosting, it is Scott's turn to ask the questions. Scott, what have we got in the mailbag, remaining in the mailbag this week? Uh, we have a question from Logan. Who are the defensive pieces worth building around, if any? <laughs> oh, no. I thought about this one, and I'm like, who's young on this defensive core other than Romanov, really? Who's a piece that they have? I mean, I know I know, I know who you're going to say on Laval, so why don't you just go ahead and say it? Well, I was going to say, one, you keep Jeff Petrie at this point. I know he's playing terribly, but you keep him. Uh, for yeah, right but we're now. not building around him. Well, you still could, but uh, <laughs> I think you keep Romanov, obviously. Um, I do think in the future, Norlinder and I do think Jordan Harris are going to be pieces you build around, and Jaden Struble beyond that. And then obviously, Caden Gooley in the, I'd say, not so distant future, but it's kind of distant future. Uh, outside of that, 
the rest of the defense is tradable to me. Uh, I think there's some pieces that are good, but they need time to grow still, and they're not immediate help for this team. So I, I thought you were going to say Norlinder right away. That was going to be my first one. Um, and then, so Jordan Harris, there's there's a question mark with him, right? I don't know if we're just being paranoid or not. but It's people he, being paranoid because everyone thinks he's not going to sign. And maybe he won't, but like everyone's already saying he's not going to because they're going to reassess it at the end of the season. And it's like, everyone take a deep breath. You thought Ryan Paling wasn't going to sign. You thought Cole Caulfield might not sign. Just everyone take a deep breath and chill for right now, please. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to chill there as well. All right. So... Yeah, I think I think like the defensive core isn't too too bad. I think it's the way that they're used, and I think that Jeff Petrie needs to get better. But the 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 understanding that I got from the question was looking to the future, not right away. So obviously Jeff Petrie's good. He just needs to figure out what's wrong with him, or what or what to do to fix whatever is wrong with him. He should just do the opposite of whatever the hell he's doing right now. <laughs> it's simple. <laughs> yes, do everything differently. Uh, we have a question from Jeff. Are there any ways to lose that the Habs haven't covered yet this season? And this came on Friday or uh, Thursday in morning, and then the Canadians lost by then yeeting a player into their own starting goalie and then scoring a goal off the opponent's face. So, uh, Jeff, I think they answered that question for you and that I think we're running out of hilariously bad ways for the Canadians to lose right now. Yeah, I don't know if there's any, like... I honestly, I truly don't know if there's a more creative way to lose because they've lost so many games that they've basically just like, I, I, I honestly can't think of a way they lose it again. Like, uh, sorry, a new way they lose. They're going to give up a goalie goal this season. I'm going to go ahead and just on the record and say that they're going to give up a goalie goal and I'm going to feel so sad about it because goalie goals are the best. <laughs> Uh, another question from Jeff. If the Canadians played the Rocket right now, predict the final score. Well, uh, 5-4 Rocket. Uh, I think the Canadians are going to win just because they should. Um, but I think it would be like a 6-3 game. Uh, one, because I think Cole Caulfield would just show up and be like, you guys sent me to the AHL and now I'm going to ruin Samuel Montembeau's life and just absolutely light the back of the net on fire. Uh, it, it wouldn't shock me anyways. The Rocket, even when they lose, are at least putting in a great shift. Uh, we can't say the same about the Canadians currently. Do you know what's really funny is that on the Canadians, the guys who are playing the best right now are the Rocket guys. Yeah. Paling and Pizzetta were absolutely outstanding. And I'm really sad that the Canadians lost a game where Michael Pizzetta scored a really nice deflection goal. And they just, and they crapped it all away. It's actually upsetting to me. Like I'm rooting for Michael Pozzetta to continue to do good things at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's the only fun we're going to get. Sorry for being so pessimistic. What else have we got on the mailbag question? Uh, From Cole, are we simply doing the reverse downfall? Start poorly and then go streaking mid-season? I smell 2019 St. Louis Blues vibes. You know what, Cole? You've got way more faith than we do. So, you know what? If that happens, then we owe you all the treats in the world. I, I get where he's coming from. I look at it in that Jordan Bennington took over the net in that season and they went streaking and maybe Carey Price coming back is that spark. But who are they going to need a lot of help to get there? And if they do go streaking and make the playoffs, I will eat a hat. 
I, I don't, 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 don't Pete Blackburn ate a hat. I, will, do it on I don't think the Canadians are going to make the playoffs and I'm confident in saying that, but I will eat a hat if they do. So, <laughs> uh, all right. From Charlotte. Uh, what hab do you think can secretly sing really well? Ooh, Chris Weidman. My thought is, and this is going to sound weird. I think Alexander Romanov, to be quite honest, I don't know why. I just have a feeling somewhere deep in the back of my mind that like he could be a great like choir singer somehow. I do not have any reason to actually know that, but I do think it's a thing that could happen. I, you know what? I think that like Chris Weidman has like, like a secret, like opera quality voice that he could just like sing a booming whatever in the shower like probably after the games and stuff like we haven't heard it yet but uh yeah he's the one that's going to be easy he's my pick uh from randy hansen why can't we have good things because we went to the stanley cup final apparently there was a price to pay for that and that's why we can't have good things uh i really don't think that i know a lot of people are like oh we paid a price we paid a price every single team that makes a long run they do pay a price. We didn't get a cup. We didn't get a cup at all. But you know what? Like the what the teams that do win or the teams that do go far, they have to end up s- selling off players or 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 losing players in the offseason. It always works like that in a salary cap era. Obviously, there are injuries and retirements to consider. I do think they made some mistakes, like letting Corey Perry walk, uh, all of that. But I I, I really I. I think we just can't have nice things because it's it's the way that the luck has the luck has shaped out this year shaped up shaped out whatever someone someone wished on a monkey's paw last year in the playoffs and this is our comeuppance for that unfortunately (laughs) it feels like uh from k i enjoyed the bit about pizzetta from last week so i'll ask now what hockey nicknames would you lauren scott pick for each other okay so this is really interesting, Scott, because you don't have one of those names where, like in hockey, you know how it's like, let's say, Nick Suzuki, Susie, Gallagher's Galley. Like, would you be Matley, Maddie? No, Scotty? no. I, uh, it would be Scotty, of course, because, you know, I'm a 30-year-old adult, but... Well, Julian gave me a nickname before he came on this show one time because of my knack for saying I'm going to set things on fire when things went poor. Yeah, Smokey (laughs) the Bear here. Um, (laughs) Yours is easy, though, because we just changed the last letter. You go from Saba to Sabs, and that's it. Because that's the most. People do call me that. That's just what it would be. Like, it's boring, but that's how hockey nicknames work because no one has any creativity in this. That's it. And so like, I'd be Sabs in general. And then like, after I score, like one of, one of my fellow players in the locker room would be like a Sabsy, right? Like that's how it would go. It's very, very simple. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) It's like, don't use too much brain power there guys. Like just add a Y or an extra S at the end of the name and you're golden. And uh, people do call Scott Scoot, though. I, I don't know, because Kay said that she's a new listener, a newer listener. Um, and so Scott had his name misspelled once by somebody in the comments of, was it the Slack chat or was it the comments at Habs Eyes on the Prize? 
It was the Slack chat because Mark kept spelling my name incorrectly. And then it, we just kind of rolled with it for a while. So yeah. so he spelled it Scort. I remember that. <laughs> and, it, and then people just started changing it to Scooch, Scoot, Scat, Scort, Scops. <laughs> it just, just, it's basically sc- and then whatever you want to say. And then anything that begins with M is essentially how you do it. But uh, I just call him Scott. Uh, I don't use a nickname for him. And I think we have our nemesis questions left. Yes, we do. Uh, Would you rather start with the presidential one or the music one? Uh, Either one, actually, because I'm very well prepared for one, but not prepared for another. Uh, Well, okay. So we're going to start with this question from our nemesis. What's the second funniest way a U.S. president has died? The first, obviously, being Garfield dying because the doctors kept shoving bread and beer up his butt. Okay, apparently this was to disinfect him with for some, he had like gangrene or something. Uh, I'm, I'm actually looking at the thing. I'm trying to find where he is on this list here. He, I think, I believe he got shot or wounded. He was shot, yes. James A. Garfield was assassinated. Um, right. So... <laughs> And the um, way to like disinfect was was beer and bread, apparently. I I haven't actually done the reading on this and Will will yell at me about this, <laughs> but I'm just going to assume it was something dumb because early 1900s or late 1800s medicine was, ah, oh, that looks infected. You should do some cocaine about it and just kind of roll with it. So <laughs> you should do some cocaine about it. Um, I mean, it's true. You're not lying. Uh, so I, this is the thing is cause I didn't know the backstories of all of them. And there have been enough presidents where I'm like, I can't, I don't have time to research all of this. Uh, but I did, what I did was I did look up, you know, on, on, um, uh, parks and recreation, there's a president that was a president for, was it William Henry Harrison? Uh, yeah, he was president for 30 days because he like caught a cold on his inauguration or something like that. So this question from Will prompted me to go check if that was true. And apparently he did catch a cold like in his inauguration and died 30 days after assuming office. I I literally didn't realize that it was like not made up. And then I went and I looked it up and I was like, oh, this is actually a thing because he doesn't like he doesn't show up in all the lists. Yeah. And that's the thing is he, uh, according to Google, William Henry Harrison died of typhoid fever. So that's um, not great. I have my answer and it's because it's such a simple thing. Uh, Zachary Taylor died of a stomach virus. Um, Are you serious? Yeah. That's what it says on Google. When I click on it, it says viral gastroenteritis, which is marked by, you know, abdominal cramps, nausea, vomiting, upset stomach, and all these other things. It was basically the stomach flu and it killed him. Oh, wow. So, Imagine if you had Pepto-Bismol in those days. Yeah, like, hey, you have to take a little bit of like some ginger ale, have some Gatorade and crackers and you're good. Like, <laughs> it, yeah. Um, and the other option for me was George Washington, who died due to epiglot- let's say epiglottis. Basically, his throat, he had just an inflamed throat and it eventually just kind of sealed off his... Uh, um his oh, wow. uh I thought he died of heart failure. No, so various <laughs> modern medical authors have speculated he died from a severe case of epiglottis complicated by the given treatments, most notably the massive blood loss, which is almost certainly caused hypo hypovolemic shock. So one, people because it was the 1700s uh killed Did George Washington letting. with bloodletting. Yeah. So yeah. Medicine's come a long way. <laughs> 
it's like I'm so horrified by this because I'm just picturing bloodletting and and you know like I get sick a lot so <laughs> that's not uh, that I'm really glad to be living in the modern times all right what is our final question from our nemesis where does Carly Rae Jepsen rank on the all-time list of Canadian musicians follow up what's her most underrated banger Okay, so I didn't know where to rank her because I wanted to take it seriously. And then there's like people like Celine Dion, for example, who's like an icon, not everybody's cup of tea. And then there's Rush and the Tragically Hip. And, you know, there's enough Canadian artists out there. So I would say that she's definitely in the top 15, just based on how much joy she brings people. We're also counting Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber's Canadian. There's a lot of Canadian people, but because of like her popularity and the joy that she brings to people i'm gonna rank her top 15 in my mind um and her most underrated banger is it was a single and it was a hit so i don't know if you can count it underrated but it's run away with me from emotion scott do you have an opinion on carly ray jepson i do not i think she's fantastic but that is where i'm going to leave it because i do not know anything about carly ray jepson beyond that so i know twitter <laughs> has a very large infatuation with her which i did not know about until I got like deep into hockey Twitter. So there's like this, like, it's not just in hockey Twitter, it's all over Twitter. So there's like this like group of people. It's not, it's not Stan Twitter, it's fan Twitter and it's, it's different. So like, there's like insanely addicted and obsessed with people like, you know, Taylor Swift, for example, she's in the conversation right now. And then there's just like the subset of people that are just super fans, but without being like, without getting in your face, if you don't like her. Um, and she's got such a widespread following. I just, I enjoy her music a lot. I'm, I'm old enough to be like, I don't care if it's not cool. I love it. So, um, so yeah, run away with me is the, is, is my favorite. And I think that's it. So for more music opinions, I guess, continue to listen to Locked On Canadians. No, tomorrow we will be back. We'll be talking a little bit more, I think, about Jeff Petrie and how to get him going. And, you know, things might happen between now and our next episode. And in the meantime, we will be doing giveaways and stuff for our 500th episode. So tune into that. You can find our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow Scott, he's at Scott Matla on Twitter, and I am at The Active Stick. And thank you so much for listening. If you liked this podcast, check out Locked On NHL, where they've got you covered five days a week with all the biggest goings on in the NHL. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.